0: Well, good morning. Good, morning. good morning. This morning we're going to be uh, picking back up in First John in chapter 2, verses 18 through 27. Um, this is, uh, I, I was kind of, I guess I was kind of amused. This obviously we should have done this last week, but uh, unfortunately due to the circumstance we didn't make it. Uh, and I was kind of chuckling as I went back through the notes and stuff this past week with, uh, with Steadfast is you're going to get another dose of the divinity of Christ. <laughs> that's uh, that's what this text uh, this text in a lot of very specific ways speaks to. So, at any rate, uh, just so that you know that, um, um, keeping in mind that the backdrop to First John is. Uh, is uh, uh is insipid Gnosticism the uh, under the uh, beginnings of a heresy that's still with us today it's they, they don't go away they just get new new rappers and uh, uh, new titles but uh, it's still with us it's still very much with us today uh, it uh, it began in the first in the latter part of the first century it came to full bloom in the second century and permeated through even the fourth century uh, and uh, and like I said, it's 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 still around today. A number of the creeds that were written in those days were in re- refuting Gnosticism. We're going to touch on a couple of them as we move through the text this morning. Um, it, there's one particular guy we're going to look at, uh, uh, Serentius, who uh, is kind of the father of the spirit man, uh, Heresy of Gnosticism that the Spirit uh, of God came upon, <clears throat> the Spirit of Christ came upon this man Jesus, who was the natural born son of Joseph and Mary, at his baptism and left at the crucifixion. Uh, that 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 was the prominent uh, the prominent uh, uh, teaching of Gnosticism. In uh, um, there, it had many other shades, but that was the one that had the the. Biggest following, I guess you would say, and uh, but anyway, at any rate, uh, um, there's a there's there's a rather interesting story that that John that I that I got to get it right. Arrhenius tells the story that he got from Polycarp, who was a direct disciple of John. Arrhenius was a disciple of Polycarp. And and according to this story, and I don't know if it's true or not, and I kind of doubt all the details of it are true, but that that John was going to a bathhouse in Ephesus. And when he got there, he found out that Serentius was inside and he fled because he feared the roof would cave in with Serentius inside. So <laughs> that should tell you how the heresy was Felt about and how this guy was uh, was uh, was 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 seen. So anyway, uh, we're going to get into John here this morning, uh, Second John or First John, uh, Chapter two, verses eighteen through nineteen. I kind of divided this up. I, I will tell you, there's a couple of ways to outline this text. Uh, one one way and one very popular way is to just make it two points, and you basically you make it the marks of a Christian and the marks of Antichrist or of Antichrist with an S and in uh, a small. And and uh, uh, that's one way you can outline it. And you have to cut the text up to do that. You know, you can't just go through the text. I'm kind of one of those guys that likes to go through the text. So I outlined it that way. So we're going to jump back and forth as we, as we go through uh, in, in contrast. And that's what John does. He makes a contrast here between true believers and those who are not. Uh, incidentally... He's talking about people that are in the church all the way through this, or or were in the church and have departed from it. So, so it's not talking about it's not talking about the atheists outside the church condemning. It's talking about those that crept in Acts chapter twenty. Um, so um, that's uh, that's what we're going to be looking at as we go through this this morning. Are there are there any prayer requests this this morning? Uh, before we go. I have not unspoken. Okay. Um, yes, oh, we just praise the Lord for this conference, oh, yeah, it went really well and and i understand we have another new baby in the and mm-hmm. I, I heard the Tomlins have a new grandchild, so anyway uh, that's exciting, just as an update on kathy those that you that I'm sure most of you know she she fell last Tuesday a week ago tuesday um hit the side of the right side of her head uh really bad, and uh, we, uh, we uh, had her hospitalized for three days, and uh, they discovered in the course of that that um, she had bruised the right front part of her brain, and there was some minor bleeding into her brain, and uh, uh, they also discovered that she, she has had, somewhere in the course of all of this, some minor strokes, so um, uh, we've had a rough week, but uh, she's doing well, and she's here today. And she's still not doing what she's told. So she's okay. <laughs> so, so she's okay. So uh, uh, I thank all of you for your prayers and the cards that we received this last week. It was very, uh, very encouraging. So, so thank you. Anyway, anything else this morning? Okay, so we're going to start at verses 18 and 19. I, I entitled this uh, Living in the, last, the, in the Last Hour. I took that from verse 18. And uh, this uh, first section that we're going to look at, verses 18 and 19, I entitled Antichrist come in and they go out. Uh, so it's kind of pretty much what this verse is going to say about them. So uh, we're going to, we'll take a look at that. Verse 18. Children, it is the last hour, and just as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they were not. But they went out, so that it would be manifest that they were not of us. Uh, so uh, John begins here, first of all, by saying, "John, uh, by saying." Saying children, his normal uh, his normal greeting um, or his normal address. Uh, for the church family. He's talking to the believers within the church when he uses this term. It's a term of endearment by an aged apostle who probably sees, he's probably the oldest guy in the church, so everybody's a kid to him. So he calls them children. Uh, in chapter 4 he's going to call them beloved. It's the same the same idea. It's just a term of endearment uh, uh, to show his care and his concern and his love for the, for the fellowship and for the people that God has put under his control. And then he says, it is the last hour, the KJV says, time it really doesn't matter. It's, that it, the word could be translated either way. Uh, literally, it, it literally reads the last hour. It is. Uh, it's, it's an emphatic statement that this is the time in which we live, and it's speaking. Not. It's not speaking here of those last moments of Revelation chapters five through through uh, through uh, uh, nineteen twenty. It's it's talking about. The evil age in which we live, this particular time period. Uh, it's uh, It's talking about the time period from the first coming of Christ to the second coming of Christ. It's an, entire, it's an entire time period. It's a time period that's not over. It's gone for over 2,000 years at this point. But uh, we don't know how long it will go. It's, it's, there's no terminus point to it, or date, let me say, given for that. Uh, but that's what it's talking about. It's talking about the time period in which we live, the time period in which John lived, and everybody in between. Yeah, that's what that's what he's talking about here this is where we live this is where where we are and he he says you heard that antichrist is coming <clears throat> um, he's saying that believers knew about the antichrist of the tribulation that's what he's saying here you know about the antichrist the one with a capital a that is uh that is to come, how did they know? Well, they had the Old Testament, and the Old Testament told them about Him. Daniel chapter seven and eight, chapter nine verse twenty-six, and chapter eleven. He's the the abomination of desolation. He's that is referred to by Jesus in Matthew chapter twenty-four, verses fifteen through twenty-five. They knew about the evil shepherd of Zechariah 16 through seventeen, and then of course there are Paul's words to the Thessalonians in Thessalonians chapter two, verses one to one through twelve, uh, uh, where, where Paul writes about the man of lawlessness, and he says, "Now we ask you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, that you that you not too quickly." be uh, quickly shaken in your minds, or be alarmed, whether by the Spirit, or by word, or by letter, as if it was from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Now, the day of the Lord is that tribulation period up to the, the actual second coming of the, of Christ that he's talking about here. He says, you're not in that. That's what he's saying. He says, you're not there. Let no one in any way to save you, for it is, <clears throat> for it has not come unless the apostasy, apostasy comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. So these are this is Antichrist he's talking about here, and these are the terms he uses to describe him. The man of lawlessness, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so to take the seat of the sanctuary of God, exhibiting himself as being God, and then he goes on to tell them that he, to remember these he's telling them. And he goes and gives more details about him as we go through here. The mystery of lawlessness, that's already at work. That's what he's talking about this age. That's the age we live in, where the mystery of lawlessness is at work because of the Antichrist that are in the world. But not the Antichrist. We've not reached that point. Um, the term Antichrist is a combination word in Greek uh, of anti and Christ, meaning those who are against Christ, literally, is, is the idea. It's, this is the first usage of that term. Uh, in the other places, he's the abomination, he's the man of lawlessness, he's the evil shepherd, He's these other terms that all refer to the same, same individual, but this is the first time this term is used, and it's only used by John, incidentally, no one else uses the term Antichrist, only John, uh, but this is its first use. And basically, it has the idea, it carries more of the idea than just being against, it has the idea of wanting to supplant, to take the place of, to stand instead of, um, that that kind of an idea. It, it's the idea of being a supplanter, of, of false representation. And this, of course, is seen in in heretical doctrine, even that's the spirit of antichrist it's antichrist at work in in those in those in those ideas uh, <clears throat> and, and he and he goes he goes he goes uh uh we need to recognize the time in which we are living. Uh, we know that it's the last hour because of the fact we see these abominations going on. We see these heresies. We see these kinds of these kinds of things. And then he goes on and he says, but he goes on and he says, but now there are many antichrists that have appeared. And of course, there are. There are many of those who, even within the church, literally stand against the Christ we serve, and and that's what he's saying here. John is saying uh, they are. Um, he's saying it is a mark of the times. Uh, they're in opposition to to. To Christ, they're currently operating in the world, and specifically, I think John here is talking about the false teachers that are within the church that that deny Christ. In Second John, he's going to write in verse seven. He's he's going to write, for they went out for the sake of the name, receiving. Wait a minute, wrong one. That was Third John. Second John. for many deceivers have gone into the world, those who do not confess Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the Antichrist. Uh, that's what he's saying here. In 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 chapter 4 of 1 John in verses uh, in verse 3 he says, "And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus uh, confessed Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of antichrist of which you've heard that is coming, but is now already in the world." This is what he's reiterating here. The very fact of anyone who denies the person of Jesus Christ is antichrist. That's who they are. They stand in opposition to. You've had a whole weekend of hearing about the deity of Christ. That's what John is saying here. Those who deny that are not believers. They are antichrist They are in opposition to him. They would supplant him, is, is the idea uh, that he's wanting them to understand. In verse 19 he goes on, he goes on and he says, and he says, Make sure I'm in the right John here. But anyway, in verse 19, he says, They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they were of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be manifest that they are not of us. This John wants you to understand. He uses us five times in this text. He used in it four times. It's used from us, and one time with us. Uh, and his point here is that Antichrist left because they weren't believers. That's the point. And this is a mark of Antichrist. They depart. They are not of us. They separate in some way. Uh, in John's case, they basically because you know there was one church in a town. Uh, there was a the Church of Corinth, there was the Church of Philippi. there was a the church of Thessalonica there wasn 't second Thessalonica church you know there there was there wasn't that kind of thing uh, so so as a result, you only had one church and basically these guys would leave and go start something else that 's still true today, but very often they just corrupt assemblies and they become false assemblies is is what happens in our world today. We see this all we see this all the time. I grew up in a denomination that did that. I grew up as in the United Methodist denomination and they went they went out to lunch a long time ago. You know, and they, they are the spirit of Antichrist today. That whole denomination is the spirit of Antichrist. It always cracks me up, you know, this whole LBGQ XYZ movement that, that is going on today. Uh, I can't keep up with the letters, so I just, the alphabet people. Uh, But at any rate, um, at any rate, uh, 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 this whole movement in in various churches that have embraced certain ideas of it, you know, and then like, like the Episcopals, they, you know, it was okay for gays to be pastors. But they made one a bishop, and then they fall apart. You know that—that's when they fall apart. It's like, how far do you go before you realize it's wrong? You know, that's—that's the point. That's what happens here. That's—that's the idea of what's going on here. They they, they just—they—they just—they just. are not with us. They are not part of us. They leave us. They leave the true faith at, at, at minimum, and at best, in that day, they left the church altogether. Now, he says, they went out from us. It gives no detail, but we can assume from the readers that they knew what the tension was, and the, and the result was their departure. They basically, Hebrews 4-6 says, there is no redemption for these people because they have trampled the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, That that's that's the idea here. Uh, And note the mark of an antichrist. Here is 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 uh, uh, that they they infiltrate the church. That's that's the idea here. They they come into the church. They infiltrate the church. Uh, Paul warned the Ephesian elders about this in Acts chapter twenty, verses twenty-eight through thirty, where he said that grievous wolves would come in after his departure, devouring the flock. Jude in verse 4 wrote for certain persons have crept in unnoticed those who were long beforehand marked out for condemnation for this condemnation ungodly persons who turn the grace of God into sensuality or deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ and that's what they do they they deny who Jesus is. That's that's the idea, and we see this today. This is where Mormonism came from with John Smith and Brigham Young. Uh, they deny the person of Jesus Christ. It's the same thing. It's the same thing with the Jehovah Witnesses. They 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 have they have no belief in the Trinitarian God. They believe that Jesus is an angel. I don't know what they do with. I asked one of them, "What do you do with Hebrews chapter one?" They didn't have an answer. Uh, but at any rate, uh, but at any rate, they 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 just that's who they are, uh Mary Eddie Baker and Christian Science. They deny who Jesus is, sun and moon. He said he was Jesus. He was the Christ. You know, that that kind of thing. But it even goes so far as just to pervert the doctrine uh, to take the attributes of God, for example, and and take one that overrides all the rest, and everything else then is canceled because of that one. Ron Bell, God is love, and therefore there is no hell. That's 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 another one. That's those are the ways this thing happens. Uh, John makes uh, makes a a conditional statement that's placed kind of negative to follow that. He says, "For if." they were with us they would have remained but they went out the proof is they depart they depart from the true faith that's that's the that's the proof about who they are uh, they depart uh, because if they were true believers they would have stayed true but since they were false believers it eventually shows up that's that's what john is saying here that that's the idea john 15 verses 1 through 6 john writes I am the true vine, and my father is a vine grower. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But every branch that bear fruit, he cleans it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which was spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit uh, with its, uh, from itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I am him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch, and is dried up, and he's gathered, and he's cast into the fire, and they are burned. That—that's the picture here that John is giving. Or, and, and incidentally, that's another claim to deity. Incidentally, uh, that he—that he is saying as he as he as he says that he says, for they would have remained, but they went out. That's the proof and he says it's so it would be manifest that they were not of us incidentally this is, is, is one of those kind of Semitic idioms the way this is written in the Greek that uh, doesn't translate well into English it doesn't give the full emphasis the idea here says none of them none of the Antichrist belong to us that's, that's what he's saying here all of them, none of them or none of them, not all of them, none of them Anyway, secondly, he then he, he turns his attention to the believers in this case, and he talks about the believers anointing in chapter 20 to 20, or ver, verses 20 to 21. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because there is no lie in the truth. And, and John is going to build upon this later in the text. But for this this point right here, uh, these are both words of rebuke to the Antichrist, who saw themselves uh, uh, saw themselves as having special knowledge, and it's, that was the theme of the uh, of the uh, Gnostics, is that. You know, we are a step above the rest of you. We're kind of super saints. We have this special gift, and we have this special revelation and this special knowledge that's far above you. And maybe if you're really lucky, you might attain to it someday. But the fact of the matter is, we know things you don't know, and 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 that that's just the way the way it is. God has specially gifted us. And you understand that's not true. That's all a lie. Uh, we are all equal at the cross. now some of us have been matured more and understand a little bit more, but that's just the growth pattern in sanctification. It has nothing to do with elevating anyone to some level of special revelation and special knowledge. That's, that's, that's just doesn't happen. And basically he says, what he's saying here is these, these, these Gnostics claim to have a revelation beyond you common believers—that's that, the idea here. Um, I—I was—I kind of made myself a note after watching Pastor Steve's closing remarks, and and he talked about these influencers that have infiltrated, and uh, uh, I thought they fall into that. That's who they are. I oh, well, I, I went, wow, he gave me an example, and so I added it. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but but there you go. Uh, John reassures the. P- true believers, the true believers, that you have an anointing from the Holy One. This is kind of an interesting idea here. It says, you have an anointing from the Holy One. Well, first of all, 2 Corinthians one twenty-one and Acts 10.35 tell us that the anointing of believers comes from God the Father. That, it tells us that right there. Uh, secondly, In John 6.39, within the context, Jesus is called the Holy One. Another mark of divinity here. Uh, He is Yahweh, the one who anoints you. And then thirdly, once again, following 2 Corinthians 1, if we go to the next verse, verse 22, we are told that we are anointed with the Holy Spirit. The anointing involves the entirety of the Godhead. That's what the text of Scripture tells us. Our anointing comes from the entirety of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And not only that, the Spirit seals us and is the pledge that all the promises will be fulfilled. That that's that's the picture. That's what that's what verse twenty two tells us. He seals us and he, and we're and we're pledged in, in in the spirit. And he says, "And you know all." Now understand something. This is not saying you're all know it alls. This doesn't say you have all the information there is in the world. That's not saying that. Uh, that's that's not at all what it's saying. What it's saying is. <clears throat> is that you have an intimate knowledge of God. That's what it's saying. It's saying, you know the truth, you know the gospel. That's ultimately what it's saying. Uh, And 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 he's saying, uh, you know the truth. That's what it's telling us. Uh, you've been given the truth, and you know it. That's that's what John is referring to. To know is it's not acquired knowledge, but it's innate knowledge. It comes from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within you. You realize truth. That's 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 what it says. You have the the capacity to. To apprehend and understand and know truth—that's that's what he's that's what he's wanting you to understand here, uh, and he and he reminds us that we already have that—that's already available. And he, and, he, and he tells us that he tells us that that we that we know we know the truth. And he says he says it's not that you don't know it. It's that you do know it. That's that's the point he's wanting them to understand. Uh, this anointing uh, is that you know all I have not written to you because you don't know the truth. This is the knowledge you have, but because you know it and because there is no lie in it. That's, that's what he's wanting them to understand. He's wanting to understand uh, you know the truth. It's not that you don't know the truth. You know it. Uh, that's the knowledge the Spirit gives to us, the ability to distinguish and know truth. That's, that's what he's he's talking about, and he's talking about absolute truth here. He's not talking about any comparatives or anything like that. He's talking about the truth of God, the truth of salvation, the truth of who Jesus Christ is, the reality that God has has given to us in Christ Jesus. And he says there's, there is no lie in this. There is no darkness. There is no falsehood. Those are not compatible with the truth. And the Spirit helps us to distinguish that. That's, that's the point here. The anointing gives you the ability to understand and comprehend and know the truth. That's, that's, that's what he's wanting them to, to understand in this text. Uh, Polycarp, as I mentioned before, who was a disciple of John and who was the bishop of the Church of Smyrna, wrote to the Church of Philippi, excuse me, uh, and he says says this, For everyone who does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is Antichrist. And whoever does not confess the testimony of the cross is of the devil. And whoever perverts the oracles of the Lord for his own lust... Uh, perverts uh, the oracles of the Lord for his own lust and says that there is neither resurrection nor judgment, Ron Bell there's no judgment, this man is born of Satan that's that's Polycarp Revelation 22 18 and 19, to add to the book is to add the plagues, to subtract from the book is to be taken to to have your part in the tree of life in the holy city taken away that's, that's, that's the bottom line here. And that's what Polycarp is, is saying. Uh, anyone who denies who Jesus is, who, who, who perverts his text in any way, uh, those, pers- those persons are Antichrist. And then thirdly, he goes on in 22 and 23, and we have Antichrist denial. And he, he says this, but who is a liar? He is the one that denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Everyone who denies the Son does not have the Father, and the one who confesses the Son has the Father also. So he says, who is a liar? Well, he tells us this. It's the Antichrist. John begins this. Who is a liar? It comes very quickly, and it's, it's the one who denies Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Christ. <laughs> In other words, the one who denies that Jesus is the divine Son of the Living God—that's uh, that's what he's saying here. It, it, those who deny that, those who deny that are liars. And incidentally, this is the second mark of an antichrist. The first mark is they depart. The second mark is they deny uh, that they, they deny truth. That's that's what it's saying here. They deny they deny who. Who he, who, who he is, specifically his deity. <clears throat> they, uh, there can be no salvation apart from the revelation of who Jesus Christ is, the anointed Messiah of God. That's, that's the point here. Titus 2:3 Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is telling us, to, to, to Titus. Uh, Jesus is our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. At the center of our faith, Jesus is the perfect God and the perfect man. Uh, I also noticed that Pastor Steve got into my message a little bit uh, Friday night uh, when he brought up Ares. Uh, he uh, he was... Uh, the guy who taught that Christ was a created being, uh, if, if you remember. Uh, only I had another guy to bring up uh, that countered Eris. And his name was Antith, Antoneus. And he was a defender of Christ uh, Christ's deity. And there was a creed by his name that was published in the early centuries. So the, these guys were all 4th century guys. Uh, and, and in Articles 30 and 32 he writes this, For the right faith is that we believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is God and man, God of the substance of the Father, begotten before the world, and man of the substance of His mother, born in the world, perfect God and perfect man. That's what he's saying here. Those who don't defend that fall into the category of antichrist. They deny the person of Jesus, and they are liars. that's that's what that's what John is saying here. I already told you about uh, uh Cyrenaeus, the guy who is kind of the father of one of the one of the doctrines of uh of uh of Gnosticism and John's uh, the state the the teaching that uh, that John ran from the bathhouse because of him. This guy also denied he also denied that God was the creator of the universe. Mm-hmm. He denied that as well. Who do you think was the creator? Of the universe? I didn't read that far. <laughs> I, I had enough of him, and I just. <laughs> what year was this? this is still. This, this is first. Know? This guy is first century. This guy is first century. He lived from 50... 50 A.D. to 100 A.D. So we're really in the hole. There's nothing new under the sun. Okay. Yeah, yeah, nothing new under the sun. Yeah, he was. This is first century. So this the is apostles were still alive. Well, John was. <laughs> and he and John were had loggerheads. Oh yeah, yeah. And this marks Antichrist the one who denies, this is Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son, which he explains in verse 23. He goes on in verse 23, and he says in verse 23, Everyone who denies the Son does not have the Father. One that confesses the Son has the Father also. In other words, there is only one road of salvation, there is only one way to know God, and it's through the Son, Jesus Christ. Bottom line. The little sign that used to be in front of the Unity Church when it was down on Truxton that said, One God, many ways, is a big lie. It was a spirit of Antichrist. That's exactly what it was. And that's what John is saying here. He says, Everyone that denies the Son... And in John, I'm not going to read all these, but in John, in 1 John, uh, there, there are numerous verses... Uh, that make reference to this. And the first, one, the first one talks about what we have seen in the beginning. is verse 1-1. He says, he says What we have seen in the beginning, what we heard, and what we have seen with our eyes, and what we beheld and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And then he goes on to explain. It's Jesus Christ. That's, that's the point. And, and he concludes the book... In verse 20, as he comes to the conclusion of the book, he says in verse 20, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. And in between that, John has chapter 1, verse 3, chapter 2, verse 1, 23, 24, 4, 3, 14, 15, 5, 9, 10 and 11 and 12 all saying the same thing all making reference to the same thing you think John believed that you think he wants you to believe it that's, that's the point here and it, it talks about here the relationship of the Father and the Son. And of course in John fourteen six Jesus declared, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Christianity is exclusive is exclusive. Only way to God is through Jesus Christ. In contrast to the denying Antichrist is the professing believer. The one who confesses the Son, who has the Father also, the one who has confessed who Jesus is, is accepted in the throne room of the, of God Almighty. That's that's the idea here. In this book, it tells us that Jesus, the Son of God, purifies us from our sin. Chapter one, verse seven. Promises eternal life, chapter 2, verse 25. Destroys the works of the devil, chapter 3, verse 8. And is the anointing sacrifice for our sin, 4.10. Those Those are all the things that Jesus has done that John refers to in this book. The believer has fellowship with the Father and the Son because he confesses the name of Jesus Christ. And he understands Jesus for who He is, the Divine Son ultimately. And then in verses twenty four through twenty five, uh, we give we have more information on believers. And here I call this fellowship and promise, because that's kind of what he, he refers to as we go into this text and he, he says here as for you, let that which you heard from the beginning abide in you. And what you heard from the beginning and if what if what you heard from the beginning abides in you you also abide in the son and in the father and this is the promise which he himself made to us eternal life there there is there is the fellowship and there is the the promise he says as for you referring to believers believers living in the, in the turmoil of a of a world filled with various antichrist he says as for you Let that which you heard from the beginning abide in you. Abide uh, is a word that means to remain, to abode, to continue in. It has the concept of being in residence, is is the idea of it. Uh, Live here is another way of saying it. Here's where you live. That's, That's the idea. This is your address if you would. And he says, that which you've heard from the beginning, this doesn't mean from the beginning of time, Genesis 1.1, this means from the beginning of your Christian experience, when you receive Jesus Christ. From the moment you receive Christ, from there, the beginning, that's the beginning of your, your Christian walk, he says, from there, let it abide in you, let it take up residence within you, let this be a, be a part of you. Back to John 15, where he says, I am the vine. He tells us to abide over and over again. In that text, it says, abide. Abide, have residence here. Uh, Jesus told the church at Philippi, uh, excuse me, yeah, the church at Philippi in Revelation 3.11, to hold on to what you have. This is the idea of remaining. That's part of this text. Incidentally, this idea of abiding, a remaining, through verses 24 through 28, which we're not going that far today, is used six times. It's used six times. Three times in verse 24. That's where he wants you to have your residency, he says. A residence. Uh, Psalms 119.11 The word I have treasured your word I have treasured in my heart that I would not sin against you those who remain true believers have fellowship with God through Jesus Christ we have fellowship with the living God with the creator of the universe I don't know about you but that's just a thought that I'm not sure I can get my entire mind around you know I have fellowship with the God of the universe. That He had time to consider me. I just am astonished at that. But that's what this is saying. Uh, they have fellowship with God. If if what you have heard from the beginning, the gospel abides, is treasured in your heart, in you. Uh, that's That's what he's saying here. Then this is true, you also abide in the Son and in the Father, that's who our fellowship is with, Jesus Christ and God the Father, through the Holy Spirit, ultimately the fullness of the God is involved there, incidentally this is yet another mark of divinity, and he he, he notes the placement, he puts the Father before the Son, because that's how we come to God, we come to God through the Son. Uh, you don't come to the Father first, and then you find the Son. You come to the Son, and He takes you to the Father. That's 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 the idea of what is going on here in His high priestly prayer in John seventeen, <clears throat> verse verses, verse twenty. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me th- uh, through uh, believe in me through their word, that they all will be one, even as you, Father, and I in me, and I in you, and they also may be in us, so that the world believe that you sent me. In other words, this is a picture of that fellowship. This is part of Jesus' prayer, the fellowship that we would know uh, with with the Father. And this is the promise that He makes to us. The promise He makes to us as a result of all... It, it's not enough we have fellowship with God, but we have eternal fellowship with God. That's, that's the, the last part of the promise. Eternal life. Eternal life is a quality of life, incidentally. It's not just the longevity of life. I mean, eternity can't be measured. Uh, but, but it's a quality of life. It's where you will spend eternity in the glorious heaven of our God. That's the idea. In the new Jerusalem, in the new earth and the new Jerusalem, the Westminster Confession in Article 17, verse 1, They whom God have accepted in the Beloved, effectually called and sanctified by His Spirit, can neither totally nor finally fall away from the state of grace, but, but, but shall preserve therein to the end, and be eternally saved. That that's that's the one of the doctrines that we live by, the doctrine, the doctrine of preservation. Verses twenty six through twenty seven. He talks about the believer's true teacher. For a teacher, this might be a dangerous one to go to because it says you don't need one teacher. But at any rate, we'll we'll look at that just a little bit. Uh, verse twenty six. These things I've written to you about those who are trying to deceive you, and as for you, the anointing whom you receive from him abides in you. Incidentally, it took up residence in you, that anointing. Uh, and, he, and he says, And you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as he, his anointing teaches you about all things, it is true, and it is not a lie. And just as he has taught you, abide in him. So what is he saying here? He's saying, he's saying, these things I've written to you. First of all, he's writing these things so you would know them. You would have them firmly entrenched. In, in your mind, verses 21 to 25 believers are not to be ignorant of the truth, they are to have a complete knowledge of the sin, of the Son and they are to remain in Him and in the Father that's, that's what he's wanting to drive home here he says, and then he says about those who would deceive you, Matthew 24 verses 1 through 4 Jesus warned a false Christ who would try to deceive incidentally that's the third mark of an Antichrist, they're deceivers they depart, they deny, and they deceive. Those are those are marks of the antichrist. Uh, <clears throat> they wish to confuse the simplicity of the gospel, disrupt the believer's confidence, cause get doubt in the sufficiency of the word, conf- uh, confuse key doctrines. You ever seen any of that happening? That's just commonplace anymore. But ultimately they can't take away your salvation, John chapter 10. Okay, I lost John 10. Here he is. John chapter 10 verses, verses 27 through 30. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. and I give them eter- and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish ever, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and, the, I and the father are one. Incidentally, if anybody ever tells you Jesus never claimed to be God, read the rest of this verse. The Jews believe that's what he just said. Yeah, enough to kill him, yeah. Uh, at any rate, at any rate, the point here is, let's just picture this for a moment. If you as a believer are held in the grip of Jesus Christ, who is then held in the grip of God the Father, sealed by the pledge of the Holy Spirit, and Satan can pull you out of that, who's the greatest in the universe? Right. Can't be done. Or if you can do something to pull yourself out of that. No, you can't pull yourself out of that either. I know, you can't <laughs> break that grip. That's, that's the point. Uh, Exactly. That's the point. That's the point. That's eternal life. You can't, it can't be taken away. Verse 27 says, The anointing you receive from Him abides in you. Verse 20, Believers receive the Holy Spirit of Jesus, which remains... Lives within them, Second Corinthians one, twenty one through twenty two. Now he established us with you in Christ Jesus and anointed us in God, who sealed us and gave as a pledge the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Uh, that's the idea here. You need no one to teach you. And this is this really pictures the Effects of the new covenant in the age to come in Jeremiah thirty one thirty four in Hebrew where it's repeated in Hebrews one eight where it says that there'll be no need to teach because every man will know God. And that's that's ultimately the idea here. The idea here is not the termination of biblical teaching. That's really not the idea uh, because basically we are told in Matthew twenty eight twenty the Great Commission. Part of that is to teach. Uh, that's part of it. Uh, Ephesians 4, he gave grace gifts, which includes pastors, teachers, the, all of the teaching ministries, the ability to teach. It's why we preach. It's why we teach. It's why we have a Bible conference. It's why we have Bible studies. It's so that we would grow in sanctification to help us with that. The point here is that believers, through the indwelling spirit, are have the ability to distinguish truth from error. That's what that's what this is talking about. You don't need some guy to come in and tell you necessarily what to believe. They need to exposit the scriptures clearly and the spirit will use them and you will know the truth. And you will understand, you will understand what they are saying. John 16. John 16:13 16, through 15. And when He, the Spirit of Truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak of Himself, but whatever He hears, He will, spe- he will speak, and He will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify Me, and He will take take of Mine, and, and will disclose it to you. That's the idea. That's the idea that He's wanting you to understand. He's wanting you to understand that that you don't need these super saints trying to come in and lead you astray, because you have the Holy Spirit to tell you, no, they're a lie, they're false. From the earliest believer to the most seasoned saint, that is true. Now, obviously, the reason we fellowship together is to protect the newest believer from some of this. Uh, That's why we teach, so that they grow in this. Uh, But the fact of the matter is, you have within you the spirit of truth. Therefore, you have the ability to distinguish truth. That's what what John wants him to understand. Uh, That's what he wants him to understand. You don't need these Gnostic super saints, because they're not. They're Antichrist. That's the bottom line. Just as he, he has taught you, abide in him. Uh, Just as he has given you eternal life, the promise of verse 25, you are firmly held in Jesus through God, uh, through his word and through his spirit. That's the point John is driving home here. That's what that's what he wants you to understand. Jesus Christ, God, the son. Leads you into fellowship with God, the father and grants you eternal life, and in so doing has anointed you with the Holy Spirit of God, the whole, he- the whole Godhead is involved in your salvation, that you can distinguish truth. That's what he's saying here. That's what he's wanting you to understand. Any comments or questions this morning? Good, I'm out of breath. Let's close. Our Lord and our God, we give, we give thanks this morning. We give thanks that we can come to you and know that we have the ability to know truth. In a world filled with, with lies, uh, filled with uh, uh, no absolutes, uh, filled with all sorts of manly ideas about what the world should be and could be, uh, we are able to distinguish what is true. Because of the indwelling Holy Spirit within us, who is the Spirit of Truth, uh, because because Jesus Christ, the Son, has brought us into fellowship with God, uh, with the God of the universe, uh, the God Almighty, the Great I Am, the One who set all, who hung the stars in space, who made the earth, who created man, who created man, and not only created him, but established the way to save him when he rebelled. And Father, we 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 hardly have the ability uh, to even to even raise our voices to thank you. Uh, but we as one of our speakers pointed out yesterday, we know that you are worthy of all of our praise. And Father, may may this be a time of praise and thanksgiving to you for you are the great God and Jesus Christ is our great Lord and Savior. And we thank you in his name. Amen.